Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Beat the Bell. I'm Ian Whitfield, joined here by Shane Riley. Shane, how are you doing today? I'm great, Ian. we got another great podcast in store for you guys today as we'll be jumping into some baseball as our first topic, and then we'll be getting into um, the NBA playoffs for our final topics. So jumping right into the first one, Tampa Bay is off to a red-hot start that no one saw coming as they stand at 14-8 and to open the season. With that said, the Red Sox are a tragic 9-13. and Will the Rays be able to hold onto their division over the two supposedly powerhouse teams in the Red Sox and the Yankees, Ian? Look, I really like I really like the Rays. Like I kind of like the story behind them. Like they've sucked the past few years, and they're starting to finally make a push in a division where no one gave them a shot. So I mean, obviously it's too early to get excited about the Rays, and that's kind of where I stand right now. They're playing good ball. Don't get me wrong. Their pitching is outstanding. They've held opponents to one run or less in nine games so far this season, and that's a hefty amount, judging by the fact we've only been we're in like the twenty game range right now. So. Um, but I still think the Red Sox are the team to beat in this division. They swept Tampa in the past um, three games that they played. Mookie Betts, during that time that the Red Sox were um, struggling, was batting under 200, and now after the series against Tampa, he's batting 244. So it just goes to show the team kind of goes where Mookie goes, obviously, is the team leader, and everyone knows that. So, And then they also have Chris Sale, who they paid. He's 0-4, and, and he has an 8 uh, 0.50 ERA. So, I mean, if the Sox, if the stars on the Sox can turn it around, I think this is still the Red Sox division 100%. Uh, I kind of agree with you on that, but I don't, in the fact that the Rays, I don't think, are going to be uh, a contender by the end of the season because I'm going to side with the other um, quote-unquote powerhouse team with the Yankees um, who are sitting at 11-10 and 10 this year. But that being said, through 21 games, their injuries have really piled up as they're now missing Didi Gregorius, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Luis Severino, Dallin Batanzas, Aaron Hicks, and, you know, slow, smaller pieces like Troy Tilowitzki. But as they slowly start to get their members back and um, they really get up to their full strength, I think they're all on pace to return by mid-June, uh, around June 15th. I think that'll give them plenty of time to take control of this division as they fully get back into the swing of things. Uh, the pitching's going to have to pick up. Of course, they got guys in their bullpen like Aroldis Chapman and, of course, Dylan Batanzas, who's injured right now. Um, but they're missing a lot of sticks. Um, towards the end of the season as they start getting them all, all back, as I mentioned. Uh, I don't think it's going to be too much of a problem for them to at least get second in the division. Yeah, the Yankees looked really good in their past um, couple series so far. So heading into our second point here, uh, turning to the NBA playoffs, Shane, DeMarcus Cousins is out indefinitely for the Warriors, which puts a dent in their superstar, like a dent, quote-unquote, in their superstar lineup. Will this affect the Warriors better or worse in the long haul? Um, obviously, it's not good to lose a... Uh, all-star type player but I think as good of a player as Cousins is I think that his injury will hold a bigger effect on him than it will uh, for the Warriors going forward because obviously he's impending free agency again because he small uh, signed that small contract with them mm-hmm. uh, in the offseason but they're looking really good in their most recent game against the Clippers um, they got a promising game from both Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson uh, Kevin Durant put up 33 points and Klay Thompson put up 32 um, who both have been struggling recently Klay shooting obviously um, that had been a big problem with him. There was this big story about him getting into the ocean and, I guess, saying that the Pacific Ocean is undefeated. But Kevin having huge problems with uh, Patrick Beverly, um, obviously fouling out in, a couple times and really just not right on the mental side of things. So I think um, – I don't believe that there, this affects their chances in the West unless the Rockets are able to play the series of their life. But if they end up playing the Bucks in the finals, uh, I definitely think it would be better for them to have DeMarcus under center when they're going up the – against the Greek freak who is uh, absolutely insane. Yeah, 
he's playing out of his mind right now and carrying the Bucks to a great little playoff run right here. But I think Cousins is going to hurt the Warriors, and I don't think it's going to be as massive as anyone thinks because it's the Warriors. But Cousins gave the Warriors so much depth, and he allowed Kerr to sit Curry and Durant at the start of the second and fourth quarters, which he would do throughout most of the season. So that allowed for Curry and Durant to maximize their playing potential. They could rest, and they could um, be able to play to their fullest. And their and the Warriors' rest lineup, quote-unquote, still featured Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, alongside Cousins. So that's still a starting five right there that could be good in conference play, which is freaky. But in that lineup, per um, Cousins... There was a group that was able to outscore opponents by more than 10 points per 100 possessions across 67 minutes and featured Cousins heavily to the tune of 34.25% usage. So it just goes to show that Cousins is such a key part of this team and allows the Warriors to have so much depth. So it is definitely going to affect them. Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, any team that suffers an injury is obviously not going to be at full strength anymore. Getting into our third topic here, top teams like the Bucks, Celtics, uh, 76ers, Raptors, all in good positions to make it out of the first round um, as the Celtics already advanced and all the other teams are up 3-1. Um, they've all been playing good ball. Which team will be last standing coming out of the East, Ian? I'm going to take the Bucks, which is not a very exciting pick, and I think a lot of people would agree with me. But they have three players that are averaging 19 points per game or more, which allows Giannis to get freed up so much in the offense and allows him to get, to get so much more... Um, uh, what's... He doesn't have to carry the team as much. So I, don't, I can't really think of a word for it, but we'll just go with that. He's shooting over 50% from the field, obviously, as most of his shots are dunks, so that really helps. Um, most of the team, is there, the team as a whole is also shooting 50% from the field, which is the highest of any team in the East, and the, they're the only team to shoot 50% or higher, which is amazing and shows how good their offense is. In the three games against the Pistons so far, they've put up 121, 120, and 119, which shows their consistency on the offensive side. And their defense isn't bad either. I mean, they held the Pistons to under 100 points in two of the games. And um, I think Pistons broke 100, but just slightly in one of the other games. So their defense is looking good. Obviously, the Pistons aren't at full strength losing Blake Griffin. But the Bucks are a team to be reckoned with. And they've shown the way that they can play throughout the whole uh, regular season as well. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. As much as I would like to go against the Bucks, I think that going against Giannis is just not a good decision. Mm -hmm. um, the closest margin of victory in their first three games of the playoffs is 16 points. Um, I think the final score was 119 to 103. So, as you said, the Pistons just barely scratched the surface of 100 points. Um, Giannis, in that game, he took a step down, only scoring 14 points. Um, but the Bucks, as a whole, as I mentioned, were still able to put up 119, uh, led by Chris Middleton, um, who put up 20 points. And then I think Eric Bledsoe um, and another had 19 points as well in that game. So them being able to spread the floor and uh, distribute to all of their pieces, um, as you mentioned, not just going to only Giannis, of course, um, they still they still have him as their main piece. So teams think you know he's going to take a step back, but then they get burned by all these other guys. And then the next game, Giannis just comes back and drops 40 on you. This, um, I think it's just too hard for teams to match up against him because he's a, he's a guy who's just fast and big all at once, and it's hard to get <laughs> someone to play great defense on him. So I definitely think... Um, the Bucks are going to make it out of the East. Yeah, the only team I can see matching up with them is the Warriors, so that's a matchup I really want to see in the final. Um, final point here, Shane. Damian Lillard and Russell Westbrook, they're the news and the headlines of the NBA playoffs so far with their on-court shenanigans. Is Russell Westbrook way too focused on getting in Dame's head that he's costing the Thunder of the series? 
Uh, Westbrook is absolutely being affected by Damian Lillard. Um, in their most recent game against each other, Westbrook shot a horrible 5 of 21 from the field, including 0 of 7 in the second half. Um, he also had only 7 assists in that game. For most people, 7 assists is a good number. But for a guy that has averaged a triple-double for the last three years, it shows that he's not distributing the ball as much as he usually does. Um, being down 3-1 is a horrible situation for the Thunder um, because their go-to guy is mainly focused on backing up his trash talk um, instead of helping his team win games. On the other side of the ball, Damian Lillard is averaging almost 29 points a game, shooting 44%. Uh, Russ is really going to have to pick up his play, um, or at least worry more about helping his teammates by, you know, assists, obviously. And he's going to have to work on his shooting percentage. Um, he's taking horrible shots. Um, numerous videos I've seen of where he's just pulling up from uh, way outside the three-point line. Um, it's kind of like a highlight reel kind of shot. Um, but he's going to have to forget about this whole conflict, and uh, otherwise he'll be watching the rest of the playoffs from home. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on this. Um, Westbrook is 100% distracted by Damian Lillard, and he's shooting just 36.3% from the field during this playoff series, and he's taking absolutely terrible shots, as you mentioned. In numerous social media videos and videos that have gone viral, you see Westbrook pulling up with Damian Lillard literally pressed against his chest, like on him. And he's shooting like over him just so he can look Damian Lillard in the eye after the play and say, I'm better than you. And Damian Lillard is like, okay, that's fine, but my team's up 3-1. He's playing like he's a team point guard like he should be. Westbrook's playing selfish. Damian Lillard's shooting 44% from the field. And he's not mouthing off to Westbrook the same way Westbrook's mouthing off to Lillard. And that's showing. The Thunder have not looked good. You also have Paul George shooting solid 36% from the field along with Westbrook. So your two best players are shooting under 40%, and they're all distracted because they want to be the tough guys on the court. So at the end of the day, Westbrook is definitely distracted by Lillard, and Lillard is taking advantage of it. Yeah, as I mentioned, I 100% agree with that. Um, make sure to check out Discord as Sanal interviews the chair of the Loudoun County Board of Supervisors. Um, as well, make sure to check out Ian's mock draft ahead of Thursday night's draft. Thank you.